Hi everyone, welcome to the Arts Equator Year End Theatre Podcast. We're at the Year End. Yay! Yay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Nabila Said, and as usual, I am joined by Matt Lyon. Hi, Hello. Matt. And Naim Kapadia. Hello. But today we also have some special guests joining us. First of all, we have Max Yam from Arts website Arts Republic. Hello. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And Lee Shu Yu from Center 42. Yay. Hello. Happy to be here with everyone. We're so um, glad that you all can join us. This month's episode is a little bit different because we are trying to take stock of the year in theatre and we really felt that we wanted to invite outside voices to talk a bit about maybe some of the things that we've observed as critics during this year because I'm sure you all would agree it's been a very unusual, exciting, interesting year. Um, (laughs) I like how Matt keeps groaning during this whole thing. There's going to be a lot of that. (laughs) Um, But maybe just to quickly uh, take stock of some bigger shifts during the year. Earlier in the year, we we did have like normal theatre, quote-unquote normal theatre, before theatres closed. So in March 27th, the last show was um, Four Horse Road, mm. right, mm. By, uh, by the theatre practice. And then later on, I think there was also the um, National Arts Council Digital Presentation Grant, and that really allowed a lot of the theatre companies to do stuff online that would be funded that was quite a big deal because I think initially the first kind of response that theatre companies were doing was to put archive shows online. But with the DPG grant, it became like either new content that they were creating, especially for the digital space, or uh, maybe works that were postponed or past works that they could somehow repurpose or adapt for the online space. And then we jump many, many months, Mm. past Circuit Breaker and all of that, where finally in September, which was just like two, three months ago, where live shows started starting up again. I think the substation was one of the few spaces that started to do live shows with a very small audience of five. And then later on, on September, I think 11th, a very inauspicious date, (laughs) we had um, audiences of 50 that the NAC was supporting with pilot performances, I think at Esplanade predominantly. Um, And it's only recently that audiences have been allowed to be expanded to 50 or 50 times however um, many blocks of audience seats you had in the theatre. So that was a very, very quick recap. So yes, let's start with our first question. I'd like to invite maybe Naim to respond to the question of how was your year in theatre? As you said, Nabila, it's been a very unusual year. Uh, We had the first three months of the year, which were relatively normal. There was the Fringe Festival, there were a couple of bigger shows. And then there was this entire hiatus where everything went online and obviously it wasn't helped by lockdown where, you know, we were kind of very sedentary and, you know, all the entertainment we consumed was online. So it took a while for theatre companies to find their feet. But I think my first engagement back with theatre was through screenings of productions. So a couple of the bigger theatre companies in Singapore were screening footage from their previous shows and that was online. I think the earliest was TNS with Good People in April. Yes, yes. And then there were a couple of plays by Wild Rice as well as Pangdemonium. And then I think after a few months, I started seeing new content being created. One of the first ones I watched was Coronalogs by the SRT, which was Mm. done in a very quick time. I think for me, it was just getting used to, as an audience member and as a critic, watching theatre, which I would normally consume in a live space with other people in that very singular setting. So it was a strange year because I've never seen so much theatre by myself. Um, And 
I think it's a bit different even if you're not talking the sense of being with people is very different because you hear people laughing and you know reacting and you don't quite get that when you consume things online mm. so I think that sense of watching a show in isolation was a bit different for me and I found my attention just wandered a lot more you could be watching something and let it wash over you and you could be you know getting a cup of coffee or texting your friends doing something else and not giving it your full attention and I don't know for me I felt a bit disengaged mm. if you like it took me a while to sort of get back and fall in love with that theatre feel again but I think it looks like live theatre is coming back albeit in a very different set of circumstances mm. social distancing and all of that but yeah it's just been I guess in a nutshell a strange and bizarre mm. year of trying to adapt yourself and your viewing techniques to this particular art form yeah I feel like picking up on what you said a lot of theatre online became like content that was mm. you know kind exactly. of in competition with like a lot of other things that were already online including Netflix so that was something that I thought about especially in the earlier part of the year when people are still trying to grapple with what to present online um, yeah what about uh, you Shu? Yeah, this year has been really weird and like Naeem said, there were many, many instances of different phases of experimentation from the companies, right? Mm -hmm. But I kind of saw my year in theatre as sort of defined by these specific moods at first. So I do recall being at that last showing of Four Horse Road, just that last session before they had to close everything and it was very melancholic. I think there was an announcement at the end by Tian Hong who uh, was kind of like, you know, thank you for sticking with us mm. and like we really hope to see you soon and I really felt that sense of sadness wash over me just looking across at the audience members who had made time to be there for that last hurrah before theatres closed yeah. for you know an uncertain future so I remember that like beginning in a way of the end no like, yeah. not the end <laughs> right but um, I think I was very excited because um, as someone who loves the internet and practically lives on it I was very intrigued by like the new possibilities maybe Mm. certain conventions that we have in the theatre can be let go of maybe we can explore the new ways to create um, new work so that was the start of my excitement I watched the Corona Logs I attended some of these online screenings archives but I think fast forward past all of that I think I got tired really quickly I think everybody can agree that like there was also kind of an overload of content, especially when people realised this is the time for me to do panels. This is the time for me to do um, the discussions that I always say I want to do, but I never really got a chance to. So I think I got tired after a while and there was content overload. I started Mm. to think if I had to spend time on the screen why wouldn't I spend it on Netflix? Mm. Why wouldn't I spend it on video games? If that could give me a sense of community when I play with my friends, I could use Netflix Party to watch it at the same time as everyone. It gives me a sense of being there with them. So yeah, I think that got me in a mood of, okay, what happens now when theatres open? Like, will I still feel like it's a bit of a chore to go down? Will I feel like I have found ways to occupy my time, found new hobbies, new (laughs) ways of experiencing community and liveness that I may want to forego going to the theatre very often Mm. now. But I think we can take it one show at a time. And yeah, I'm going for a show after this, so I'm quite excited (laughs) for that. Yay, live show! Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a relationship that you 
are scared you've grown out of almost. Yeah, yeah, the way um, you put it. <laughs> yeah, and it, that's also interesting because I feel like especially at the earlier part of the circuit breaker, mm. people kept talking about the closure of theatres and, you know, all this like lack of live shows in a sense of like grief, grieving for something mm. that's yeah. lost. And um, I know a lot of artists who didn't know what to do and were kind of like incapacitated by that whole fear. Um, what about Max? How was your year in theatre? Yeah, I think uh, both of you use weird to describe, so I shouldn't use it anymore. <laughs> so I will, uh, probably I will use, I will describe it as interesting because <laughs> um, there's a new layer in uh, theatre production that's more obvious now, there's the form of theatre. Mm. I think we face uh, with the question of what is digital theatre. I can see that the digital format, whether it replaces theatre in physical space, may add value to the existing form of theatre, but it deals with the liveness of theatre. So this is one type of digital theatre. Mm. But another type maybe is a new independent form of performing arts in the new age. Mm. We have a very fast internet speed, so we can watch live feed uh, video very easily. We can interact with people on the virtual space very easily. So this new digital theatre thing is like, uh, maybe it's like film. Mm. Some are like a game and there's a lot more forms in between them. So I look forward to this new era with yeah. more new forms of performing arts. Like yeah. more experimentation mm. in form that's exciting yeah. for you. I like that, very positive. <laughs> now let's go to Matt. Well, I might talk about actually making theatre. I'm a teacher at SOTA, and obviously we stage plays. And I've just had such sympathy with the theatre companies this year because the sands constantly shifted beneath you. I was supposed to put on Philip Ridley's Radiant Vermin with our graduating class that was supposed to be on in May, and I'd pretty much blocked it. There was about 10 minutes of stage time in a two-and-a-half-hour show, that remained to be blocked, and then the rules completely changed, mm. and pretty much everything I'd done up to that point then had to be completely redone because you were no longer able to get close to each other. And my entire first half of the play, the young couple who you're supposed to root for, I'd put lots of physical contact in there. And if you remember, the school holidays came early because everyone panicked, oh, yeah. um, so it wasn't where it would normally be. And I had four horrible weeks of thinking, I can't do it, I can't do it. I do not know how to direct this play where everybody is two metres apart at all times. Mm. And they're going to pay me anyway <laughs> as a teacher. So in some respects, it doesn't really matter for me. Like I could have artistically failed and it wouldn't matter. But real theatre makers, people for whom it is their sole job, that is a horrible, horrible situation to be in. But it also does spur creativity because we found a way to do it. Actually, some bits worked better two metres apart than closer up. So it's been a year of being repeatedly hit round the head and then working on your dodge skills <laughs> and putting on some helmets. You know, it's not the situation anyone wants to be in necessarily, but I hope that the people who stick with theatre through this, who are able to, because obviously money is going to be a really big problem for lots of people in the performing arts. I hope that the people who are able to stay with it can retain that kind of positivity and that experimentation, but also not feel like they have to. 
like if theater companies want to go back to the same old same old after this mm. yeah we haven't had that for a while we should be really <laughs> excited to see a well-made two-act play <laughs> staged by pandemonium do you know what i mean or wild rice or the companies that do that kind of thing really mm. well yeah Maybe picking up on the whole idea of like creativity and experimentation, does anyone want to start us off with shows that you watched this year that were particularly exciting, interesting? I participated in one. There's a very early lockdown period. This end of April, there's a show called Touch You Later by Tactility Studies. It's done entirely on Zoom. Tactility Studies, maybe as you know, is a, is a project emphasizing on touch. But it faces a situation where we can't touch each other. Mm. So the facilitator guides the participants to explore the surroundings. So you're trapped in your room, but uh, you're guided to explore your surroundings. It's not just touch yourself. It's you touch your yeah. desk, you touch your things around you, and then you kind of feel your space. And then it, maybe it's like it prepares you for the next three months of lockdown. Mm. I think it kind of get me to reconnect with the space. So that's uh, one of the first Zoom <laughs> production things I attended. It uh, feels very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I went for that performance as well as a participant and I really loved it. And I feel like anytime you say like touch yourself, people get very like, oh, giggly and all. But <laughs> We didn't. We were very professional. <laughs> yeah, right. Now yes. if you had a camera, everyone's face kind of contorted for a second. But, <laughs> um, but we didn't let on. <laughs> but I think this idea of tactility during the circuit breaker was very visceral and poignant because like, you know, we couldn't go out. If we were outside, we didn't want to touch anyone next to us, even on the bus or on the MRT, right? But also the disclaimer is that I'm now part of that team and we are doing a, a restaging pretty soon. So I'm just going to shut up about that. For, for now. But yeah, anyone I, else? I'm, I'm not part of the team, so I'm not like promoting it now. No, but like I think Max pointed out something. I think I forgotten about like touch you later because it was it was to me such a strange concept of like saying touch and tactilities over Zoom. But mm. I think it was a very... Um, I think it made me defamiliarize with the idea of touching and contact because now we're like, don't touch the surfaces. After you touch surfaces, you need to sanitize your hands and all that. But there was one instruction in the piece, which was a facilitator saying like, now go outside, go to your washroom and wash your hands and make sure you wash for 20 seconds. And I did. I paid attention to that washing. And I think for something that is an act of paranoia, safety in a way, I think it ended up becoming very endearing thanks mm -hmm. to that work kind of reframing it as a act of love, act of caring. Mm. So that was actually a good point, Max. Yeah. So for me, one of the shows that really stood out this year was Who's There by the Transit Ensemble. So this was like a US-Singapore-Malaysia hybrid production that was co-directed by Elvin Tan from Singapore and Sim Yen Ying, who's a Singaporean based in the US. Um, and it was just probably one of the best shows I've seen that made use of the Zoom platform and so many different surfaces of social media. I think there was Instagram and Snapchat and YouTube and all of those things built into it. But at the same time, it was so urgent and powerful. It, it was released, I think, shortly after the elections in Singapore and it touched on issues like the Black Lives Matter movement, the issue of privilege, yeah. you know, in Singapore, the Chinese privilege issue, the Bumiputra um, issue in Malaysia, all of that. And it was just packaged in a very powerful way. And on top of that, in addition to the content, it was also very 
interactive um, and it drew the audiences in through very simple means. So there were these polls that were sent out every couple of minutes during the show where we would be asked these somewhat uncomfortable, challenging questions and you see the response of all the participants in real time. For me, that was a very powerful topical show that Mm. used the challenges of this online environment but still managed to really discuss Mm. important things. Yeah, and with Naeem on that. That was the show for me this year that really gave me hope that this isn't just a year that we need to consign to the bin and remove from the annals of history because it really spoke to me about the possibility of artists to deal with what's in front of them with the tools that they have. And you don't usually expect theatre to respond that fast to what's going on in terms of the aesthetic options that are now limited by COVID regulations and in terms just of what's politically going on in the world because plays take time. And it came out really fast, really nimble, incredibly intelligent, well thought through. And I thought, yeah, we can have more than just people putting their archival work online or people writing monologues. And I'm not saying that those are bad things, but they are not enough to sustain a vibrant scene. So, yeah, I was really glad to see that as well. What about you, Nabila? For me, shifting gears a little bit, and I think it's probably a little bit of recency bias, but I was really touched by a live performance I recently watched, and some of you might have watched it. It was An Actress Prepares hmm. um, yeah. yes. by Alfian Sa'ad that was done at Wild Rise. And I found myself, in terms of that grief that I was talking about, that play for me really acknowledged a sense of loss that we felt this year, acknowledged the weirdness of creating theatre in this year. So I think like in the early part of it, City K was um, backstage and then you saw her through a camera and she was like, okay guys, I'm going to do everything backstage since <laughs> we are so used to watching things on video. And then people were like, boo or no. And then she comes out and she laughs. And I mean, of course we know that she's not going to do that, but it just acknowledged the kind of things we've had to be okay with, right? Like just watching yeah. through us, we had to be okay with it and theatre makers had to put on a courageous face to be like, yes, we're going to try this new thing, this new frontier of like performance and try to be good at it at the same time. Like mm-hmm. I just felt that it, all of those things came out through the performance and An Actress Prepares is a restaging but it was reconceptualized and I felt again a new like meaning during this time. So there's one part where they paid tribute to people who theatre had lost, not from the pandemic, but like over the years. And City K sang a song, um, a Malay song. And when I watched it like two years ago, I was like, okay, this is sad, but it washed over you. But when I watched it live, I was like crying because I felt that it was like all the losses that we felt this year that we've had to put aside because we didn't want to be too, you know, negative or too, you know, despondent. But for me, with that live performance, coming back to the theatre, seeing like all the empty spaces in that Wild Rice theatre. And I think the whole idea of this, the new Wild Rice theatre, there's so much loss in that because they opened it and then Mm -hmm. theatre shut, right? So I think like all those things just came out for me with just that one performance. And because that theatre as well, like Shakespeare's Globe style, is designed so that you see all those empty seats. Yes. And you... You wanted to put out the positive energy so that it would fill the space and that the other audience members would see that and respond and give it back to the performer. And of course, Siti is such a huge presence on stage. She was able to inspire everybody. Yeah, I felt similar emotions. Did you watch it? 
Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. So I actually watched it very recently myself, and the prologue at the start, where she talks about her life in Circuit Breaker and acknowledges that yeah. weirdness that we've all felt and everything, it's not part of the original play, and it kind of changes the tone. So totally. it did change the tone mm. a little bit for me because it almost felt like, oh, this is a bit panto esque, yes, like you're yes. coming out and hey, everyone, hey, everyone, we're back, we're <laughs> back, but are we really? And like, oh, how come so many empty seats? And what do you do during Circuit Breaker? Yes. Um, and then the actual play is a bit more introspective. It's more like you know this. Is my life, my journey, etc. I felt that shift of gear when she launched into the play proper, mm. and it felt a little like it had been tacked on a little yes. bit for me. But mm. I was very happy to overlook that because <laughs> I think for the exact reason you see her behind a screen and when she comes on stage, it's just so refreshing. This is exactly why I'm here sitting down because I want to see someone right in front engaging me and talking to the audience member. This is what I've missed, mm. and I think seeing that made me feel in a very visceral way, like oh we're back and I just feel so happy to be part of this mm. Shu like what about you with a show that mm. you watched and you enjoyed well I think over the course of that whole digitization period I think I was most interested in as a theatre maker myself innovations when it comes to like form and medium so I think I was particularly intrigued by the productions that made use of unconventional or alternative platforms Instead of just Zoom, they would pair it with something else. So for instance, I think at the M1 Patch Festival, they had Play With Power by Accommodate SG. I don't know if that was specifically made for theatre specifically, you know, mm. because I know that Accommodate SG, they kind of do experiences that kind of do like um, um, civic engagement and teach people a little bit about politics and community and uh, those kind of things. Mm. But I thought it was... As an experience, that was quite intriguing because they engaged the use of Discord. So we were basically split into ministries and we had to decide on the use of land in these respective ministries. So I was in the Ministry of Defence with a few of my friends. And then we also had Ministry of Culture, Ministry of Welfare, Ministry of Environment. And people in these ministries would basically compete to fulfil their ministry's goals. Mm. So for instance, if I was in the Ministry of Economics, right, I would try to like push for like better businesses and things like that. If I was in the environment, I would push for like more green spaces. So I think that was really fun because it demarcated the spaces of interaction. Like you would interact on Discord in a more informal way, but you would come onto Zoom to make bigger declarations of like, okay, this is what's the cost of our future mm -hmm. on, in the country. Yeah. So that was kind of one example. But the other is also Murder at Mandai camp yeah. where uh, they had the Zoom platform for the videos and the story to go on. But it was accompanied with the Telegram chat yeah. group, which I was in and I'm very used to being on Telegram on the side for anything that I do, basically. <laughs> um, so I think seeing that chat come alive was quite a fun experience. People were screenshotting like <laughs> the images on the Zoom chat and then circling the ghost. And then everyone was just like screaming, oh my God, I can't see it, I can't see it. Where is it, where is it, is it coming, is it coming? And like, I was on a separate video call with a friend because she was scared of the ghost. <laughs> so it felt like I had direct connection with the other audience members. Yeah, I think it's a good time to also talk about like as an audience member, how did you feel? Because okay, we've talked about Murder and Madan Camp in our yep. earlier podcast and I remember Matt was like, 
I didn't look at the telegram or yeah. no, no, I, I, I didn't do that as well. So I mean, I'm a very traditional theater goer, you know, like I'm just gonna watch everything and oh, people are like talking nonsense here. Oh, okay. I, I kind of looked at it as an afterthought towards the end. I'm like, oh, what if I missed? And I'm like, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But other people were just like living for it, and like the memes were coming fast and that was furious. Me, man. That was yeah. me. <laughs> Yeah. But how did y'all feel about this multiple levels of engagement even within a production? Did that enhance it for you like in terms of audience behaviour and your own audience experience during this time? Yeah, I kind of go the other way from you on that because I'm old and my brain doesn't work. <laughs> so I like it when it's just a little bit more curated. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to wade through a billion people putting some kind of scared emoji <laughs> Pages and pages of that at the time, because if my brain is doing that, my brain can't do the other thing. Mm. There's a certain amount of multitasking in me that if you just cleaned down that chat (laughs) to things that were a little bit more relevant, I would totally see the point of that. Mm. But of course, that would involve censoring your audience or something. Mm. I don't know. I... (sighs) Because if there were people next to me whispering into my ear when I was watching things, I'd punch them. So I think for me, it needs to evolve past a general deluge of crap. Although there are clearly people who like that. I like that. I quite like that. Yeah. But I think it wouldn't work if someone's whispering in your ear, of no. course. Like, cause I think, yeah, I think that's what I appreciate. Like the fact that we're online. If I was at home watching a play and I was on my phone, nobody would know, nobody would scold me, but I might still appreciate the show in a way, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of, like, uh, scolding people, well, not really, but we were talking earlier about how, like, um, some of us watch two things at the same time or try to do Thanks. two things at the same time. <laughs> what well, I, couldn't, I couldn't even if I wanted, let's be honest. So, um, fess up, who did that? Me, <laughs> me. I did. Why? I say yes to a, a friend who was involved in a production but I, oh I forgot I say yes to another friend so okay I have <laughs> double to, booked yeah so but with a, a computer with a, so I can like have two windows on and then I can watch both like I can do you know side by side then but just mute another side and okay this one <laughs> yeah at the same time I can also like telegram on the phone so I feel like we, we shouldn't even feel bad about it because yeah. I think it mimics whatever behaviour we already probably I mean I'm looking at Shu and Max only but we <laughs> yeah, already probably do that <laughs> anyway I think there's also a sense of FOMO on like my part mm. so for me I've not really done it with productions but I've done it with panels yes. so there's been a lot of panels that have been coming up this entire year I don't know exactly why because I mean we always used to have like post-show discussions and all but I think there's this desire to have conversations even more I suppose I think it's just about filling the space your production yeah. just got cancelled oh let's do a panel that's true mm. I know with Sifa a lot of the shows because they couldn't be online they did a lot of discussion and panels mm. um, for like the year of no return and three sisters and things so I guess I know why but with the live panels I always felt that I wanted to watch them live so that's why I ended up watching two at a time like one on Zoom one on Facebook I did quite a lot of the panels as well and then I felt like I don't want to miss out so I would be scrolling through all the comments and then there would be these very juicy comments and then responses <laughs> to the comments that are erupting while the panel is going on and then I'm kind of torn as to whether I should follow and maybe come up with an intelligent quip myself <laughs> or just listen it's like you're forced to kind of multitask yeah. when you are in an online space yes I just want to say that in the earlier part of the like the panel time there was a what do you call it that person that comes and like 
It's troll? an anonymous. Yes, we had a troll. Yeah, There's yeah, an troll. art so troll. Yeah, and it was very exciting to watch some of the comments. Like, <laughs> and sometimes the moderators would actually read the comments yes. and then flash them up on the screen. <laughs> that was a new thing for me this year, where they were almost like shame. shame. You name and shame, and then they were like, so and so has responded. Blah. What do you think? And then you see the panelists. Your profile fish. picture on it. Yeah, yes. sometimes, sometimes. So that was a newish kind of experience for me. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I better not say anything too controversial. Yeah, just like and look and then after that talk to your friends on Telegram exactly. about it. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. You screenshot and then yeah. like chat, I will swear. Um, yeah, yeah uh, maybe we can talk a bit about how we're transitioning, especially like to live and maybe more hybrid things. But Max mm. and Shu, have you been watching stuff as theatres have kind of reopened? Mm. This term hybrid <laughs> theatre or hybrid performance is quite new to me. So I guess for now, it means there's a show going on in the in a real theatre mm-hmm. and at the same time is live stream online. So yeah. this term also applies to ITI's 5. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I watched that but I didn't watch the they're called on-site theatre so it's okay. on-site versus online. Right. Yeah, so You watched uh, it online. I watched online but I'm very curious about the experience for, for the audience on-site because mm-hmm. they, they are watching the actors performing into a camera. Yeah. And uh, Yes, I, I'm still finding an <laughs> audience member who watched on site right. to exchange our experience. And the show deliberately choose this format because it talks about lockdown and talks about the actors' mm. experience of lockdown and their feelings about other people in lockdown. Mm. And uh, it mimics the Zoom kind of, you have a frame on your screen, but actually it's fake. Lah. It's just, <laughs> it's just uh, somehow they did it that way. And it reminds me of, like in some countries, when their people are locked down in their room, they come up to the balcony. And oh, then, yeah. you know, you know, it feels like that. You see, they, you can sing a song here <laughs> and then someone else clapping over here. You know, it kind of pay a tribute to the lockdown period. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I watched one thing, only one thing live. Uh, I watched Pete Bird. Mm. by the finger players in the Esplanade Recital Studio. Yeah. That was interesting because um, it was in the Recital Studio, so it was like a lot of distance between the audience and the performers and it wasn't a verbal performance. It was non-verbal puppetry. So I felt like, in a way, I was still watching it through something. Mm. Like that distance felt like, you know, it was very similar to watching it over Zoom. Um, obviously different, but I think the moment where I, it really hit me that, oh, hey, I'm back in the theatre was the curtain call um, mm. when the audience was giving something back yeah. to the performer and mm. the performers received that applause. Then I felt that exchange. Mm. So I was like, okay, this is what theatre is about. It's that exchange of energies between the audience and the performers over distances, which is very diluted through the screen. Mm. But Mm. I remember now, like, why this is important to me. And I think there was a lack of space outside the decompression to happen. So, like, people weren't mingling, people weren't, like, gathering in groups to have tea afterwards or anything. So, there was a bit of a loss. Mm. But um, I think there was a sort of a muted... I'm happy to see you as people were walking through the doors or leaving the theatre. We were like, we'll catch up soon sometime. Yeah, Yeah. I I went for that as well. And I remember trying to identify people by their eyes, right? Because of all the masks. Um, And then like everyone just kind of like nodding and be like, hey, and knowing that you couldn't really go and hug someone, for Mm. example. And Mm. you didn't even feel like you wanted to hug people. You kind of felt like you needed to be like one arm's length or at least one meter apart, right? How do you feel about this whole like safe entry trace (laughs) together? Like that being part of the experience now? 
I think because we're so used to it, it's become almost normalized for us, you know, with everything else. But I think mm-hmm. it's also the rituals now, like, you know, the yeah. seating apart from each other. And then when you exit the theatre, you have to do it in rows. Oh, yeah. So that's what she was talking about, right? It's about that transfer of energy. And mm. the problem is you're too far away from people. And that space in between people in the seating just kills that sense of an audience as a being that amplifies the energy in the room. I mean, I said that I thought in an actress prepares, CT did that as well as she could and that the audience was willing to go with her, but it was not the same as a packed house. Yeah. And that is the greatest loss, I think, for me in the current situation where plays are open, but only a bit. Mm. And I really can't imagine anybody staging a comedy at the moment. You know, maybe you can do a serious drama. You can certainly do something tragic. My play that I staged to seven people had large comedic elements. And, you know, I asked people afterwards, they said, oh, it was great. It was really, really funny. But they weren't laughing that much because Mm. you don't in an empty space. Yeah, Mm. There's that almost hesitation on the part of the audience. And then that doesn't transmit over to the actors and mm. bounce off them so and in that sense it's almost better to be on a screen because unless we're talking about the old school comedies with a laugh track you don't expect that laughter <laughs> on a screen yeah so i think there's a sense that watching a comedy through a screen at the moment even if it's theater mm. is less disappointing than watching it in person. Actually, just to very quickly talk about that because i watched a stand up comedy done by Sharul Chana in like April it's called Am I Old and it's about ageing and like caregiving for example and literally they were the first live Zoom performance they were even faster than theatre but it was stand-up comedy and we were all muted so because we wanted to show her that we were laughing we kept chatting and putting like ha 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 lol and like all the emojis because we wanted to send our energy across in some way so that was an interesting experience for me so um, maybe picking up on like the fact that all five of us are critics how did you respond to this year as a critic? Well it's the year of kicking people when they're down isn't it? (laughs) It's just horrible because you can't flat out lie and say this was great when it wasn't but you really do owe not just the theatre makers but I think humanity at the moment you owe a focus on the positive if you can possibly accomplish it because we've had enough bad news and we want to have the sense that people can adapt and succeed and find new things and they can So I have this year found myself celebrating what is celebratable more than I usually would. And that's something I probably do want to take forward. Nice. I didn't expect that. (laughs) No, because I'm horrible. (laughs) But, you know, anyone can change. Yeah. I was just thinking this morning about how, like, the act of criticism for me this year was as if I'm judging a baby that's learning to walk. You know, mm. it doesn't make sense to be like, you're not walking correctly. Mm. You, you like what Matt is saying, like you celebrate mm. the baby steps, however, you mm. know, imperfect it is. And that's how I kind of thought mm. about it. But. Yes, because I think critics face this challenge of whether do we understand mm. this new form enough and you decide whether we will face the question of what is digital theatre. Mm. You definitely face this question whether you like it or not. And if the show... It's adapted from existing one. It's even more so we need to ask ourselves whether the digital mm. format adds value or how what it does to the original format. 
Again, I kind of think that's something I want to do when I can say something nice about it. There's plenty of shows, especially at the beginning of the lockdown period, where clearly they did not intend for it to be an audio play right. or to be done over Zoom or whatever compromises they had to make. And it seems a little bit of a a harsh thing to even phrase that question when it was so far from what they had originally intended and everybody's going in with that idea of compromise. Sure, how did you feel? Um, I felt like I couldn't even be a good audience member. Mm. Like, mm. you know, watching two things at the same time, <laughs> listening to audio play while playing Texting Animal Crossing. Yeah, that kind of thing, right? Like, how can I be a responsible, attentive uh, mm. critic when I can't even be the responsible, attentive audience? Mm. I think even if I wanted to say something, I felt like maybe I didn't have the right language to assess or describe a piece that was on the screen. I think we tend to use a lot of filmic language hmm. to yeah. describe things that we see on screen, but I don't think the theatre makers are making with film in mind, right? Mm. So how do we begin to even crack open the ideas of mise-en-scene on the screen with whatever limitations they have in their own houses, for instance? I think, mm. I think Boom was the rehearsed read that was completely done over Zoom and people were still in their own homes, so they had to make do with what they had. Right. Like they printed certain props, for instance. <laughs> um, so, you know... Since then, we've been able to be in studios and stuff. Lah, but uh, I think so for circumstances like these, like how do you even begin to find the right language to describe and then to critique? Um, so that's one. But on the other hand, I also feel like maybe criticism doesn't just have to be kept to publishing mm. written posts or like articles about like what you see. I think they can also exist in the form of conversations and I think, to some extent, we're allowed to have those conversations about something we don't like while taking into account that, you know, that we should give concessions sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think we are also doing that in these weird times as a manner of coping. Like, yeah, I, I've mm -hmm. dedicated my time to watch something and I don't like it. So I'm going to have my usual reaction because... Because you're human? Yeah, because I'm human, <laughs> because I want to have that fun of being able to say something bad, but also say something good, but have good conversation. And if that's what the work wants me to have, then I'm going to be 100% human about mm. it. Because I'm also going through it. Yeah. I, you're also going through it. We're all going through it. But we can acknowledge that there's fun that mm. remains in that conversation and that criticality. Now that you mention it like that, I'm like, yes, it has been less about the craft of the critic and more about being true to how we are experiencing it as like humans or mm. as audience members and empathizing with the artists quite a lot more this year. I wanted to bring this to a close um, in terms of talking about maybe some of the losses in the critical space, I would say. Speaking on a more personal level, like, you know, Arts Equator, we kind of like lost some funding this year. And I mean, in tandem with there being less shows, um, we also had less money to pay people to even write reviews. And so because of that, I feel we were a bit quieter this year. I think for Shu, we were talking about how, you know, you kind of like came through the citizen reviews arm of Centre 42 and that's no longer there. I think Arts Republic, you guys used to do your plunge, physical events, like decompensation compression spaces for audiences and so how do you all feel about some of these I call them losses but maybe they're not losses how do you all feel about that I've missed practical in-person theatrical design people have been doing really good cinematic photography we saw that for example in checkpoints two songs and a story but film lighting is not the same as theater lighting and I miss it and I miss theater sets 
Even the sound design of it being in a live space, it's very different. And even now we're going back into theatres, an empty auditorium has a very unpleasant acoustic. Mm. Sets are constrained when the actors can't be close to each other. Lighting design also ends up being a little bit more distant and unable to necessarily reinforce some of the drama. So uh, it's been hard for everybody, but I think it's been overlooked how problematic it's been for designers. Yeah, thanks for that. I didn't think about that, actually. Like, just thinking about design as also being kind of like influenced by like physical distancing and mm. yeah, that loss as well. Max, how do you feel? Yeah, plunge as a physical conversation space. Suddenly, if you want me to do it in a digital space, I, I still don't know how to. We need something in between the participants. Yeah, you said you need a table I for I need a plunge. table to put food on it. <laughs> you know, while you eat, you drink, then you talk. Yeah. But on the Zoom. on Zoom, I don't know how to do it. Since I started writing review, I've been thinking about this for a long time. The format of review. Instead of just uh, writing and publish it as the article on a website, what else can we do? Uh, like mm-hmm. you, you set up a podcast like this is an active move to talk about bigger issues. Yeah. yeah, I think for CR, right, like citizens' reviews, we decided to kind of halt it because of a reallocation of resources. Um, we were also aware that a lot of the writers that went through citizens' reviews, they are trained, they mm-hmm. are comfortable with the form already. So we were like, oh, maybe it's time to you know retire that program for a bit. But I think this is something we've talked about, right? The moment like we kind of halted that, it seemed like there was a big hole in mm-hmm. the criticism space also because you don't really... It's already very sparse, but then you lose something and then you're like, oh, it's even more sparse mm-hmm. now. It's even more quiet than before. And I think it is a great loss because... I feel like more than ever, we should have these voices in place so that we can record the diversity of experiences and the range of emotions that people feel so that it isn't all sad and gloomy if one person feels upset and writes a piece about it. You know, Mm -hmm. we can record people feeling happy, people feeling angry at a performance and not hold any one writer to a certain authority. Um, I think that's for me, like a big loss. But I think it's not just pandemic Mm. circumstances. I think it's something that's bigger than the pandemic. It's also about our attitudes towards art making or art making as a gift. Are we allowed to critique a gift? (laughs) Are we allowed to say we don't like something? And I think all these questions that we've been talking about for a long time already, they have almost come to a head here. Yeah. But at this point, I feel like maybe criticism isn't really isn't really the most important one thing that needs to happen everywhere. I think maybe we just need to stand up on our own two feet for the moment, learn to walk, learn to crawl <laughs> like the baby before we can even start to run. I'm just thinking, mm. especially in this climate where you have 50 people in and presumably anyone who wants to watch the show would already have gotten tickets. What's the purpose of the review? You're not doing it for a commercial reason to get more people in Mm. and then are you doing it for the artists what's the point of you know being excessively critical about something you don't Mm. like should we just not say anything but then like 
as Shu said, it's not a pandemic issue. This erosion of the critical space has been going on for a few years. Mm. Today stopped coverage. I used to mm. do reviews for Today. They stopped coverage a few years ago. I think Business Times mainly does industry pieces and interviews and occasional like highlights of arts events, but yeah. they don't really do reviews on a regular basis. And it's only ST and they've severely downscaled their arts yep. team as well. So, you know, that's all we have in terms of mainstream media. And then in terms of the blogs, again, Again, there's just literally a handful. So there's hardly anything. There's so many shows that are, they just pass out of the consciousness because there's no one to write about it. And it's something which I think if you don't review or deem something important enough to write about it, then who's going to remember it? Yeah. Do we not want to memorialize it in some way? And I think for me, that probably is one of the benefits of having a critical space to be able to revisit something, to archive it. Yeah. Even in preparing for this podcast, I realised that I've forgotten some of the shows that I watched like earlier in the year. I almost forgot about M1 Fringe in January. And I mean, we did write about that. But yeah, this idea of like forgetting and the guilt of what if we don't remember all these efforts to continue doing theatre... I suppose that's just a confession of guilt <laughs> on mm. my part. Um, yeah, I think we have to round this up. But thank you so much for this wonderful discussion. I feel like there's a lot more to be said. Mm. Um, but it's okay. Maybe, you know, we could do this again next year. Yeah. And I also wanted to do a little shout out. So Arts Equator and Centre 42 are co-presenting um, Year in Review by Centre 42 this year. That's on December 19. 19. Yes. And in that, we're going to be basically looking at the year in um of this year and people can actually talk about different you know different threads or different issues that they want to talk about this year we are actually keeping it to kind of like an audience choice sort of mm-hmm. thing so that's going to be very exciting but otherwise thank you so much for listening and that's been Artsy Creators Theatre Podcast for this year guys yeah. <laughs> yes. see you online <laughs> thank you so much and bye-bye. bye bye bye